If you are sitting at home next to your radio, you're hearing the music faster than you are if you're in the hall. Listening for the secret. Searching for the sound. This is The Sound Podcast with Ira Haberman. You've been listening to Scary Goldings, featuring John Schofield and a tune called Bruise Cruise. The band is an offshoot of Ryan Lerman and Jack Conti's other project, Scary Pockets, a soulful R&B funk band that plays a lot of crazy covers. Scary Goldings, featuring John Schofield, recently released a record primarily recorded at a performance in France. I caught up with Ryan Lerman and John Schofield to get the scoop on the collaboration and all things Scary Goldings and Scary Pockets. First, can you tell us a bit about Scary Pockets and then how Scary Goldings comes off of, of off of Scary Pockets? Yeah, well, Scary Pockets started five or six years ago. I um, started it with my my best friend from high school, Jack Conti, and uh, we started doing these sessions once a month where we'd we'd divide the day into ninety minute chunks. And we'd have one band and the singers would come and go each 90 minutes. And we'd just look what songs were popular. We'd Most of them we'd never heard before. And uh, and we'd do a quick arrangement and we'd do a couple live takes and then we'd move on to the next one. We started uploading those once a week to YouTube. And uh, after a month or so, we had one of them go a bit viral. They got got about 10 million views in a week and all of a sudden we had a band and we just we've been we've been iterating on that idea for for five or six years um and uh and then scary goldings came about because we had the great larry goldings on one of these sessions and a singer didn't show up and we thought well what if we just 
wrote a song real quick and and Larry was the singer on the organ. We did that and it was easy and great because Larry's incredible. And so that spurred the first uh, Scary Goldings album. Um, and then the subsequent albums, we started bringing in um, people that sort of, Larry had a history with collaborated in the past. And, and when Larry brought up the idea of getting Schofield involved, uh, Jack and I just got very excited because he's been a hero of ours since we were, we were in the cradle. Right. Uh, and, uh, and so it's just been a dream doing, doing these, this record and these gigs together. So John, when you heard from Ryan and, and his group, or, or maybe even from Larry and his group about what they were doing, were, were you psyched to join in? I, I know that you you've played with so many people. Was it exciting for you to play with proper, probably a younger set? Be honest, John, you can say no. That grew up grew up listening to you but may not have known all about you and your and your musical prowess necessarily you know uh ira no it was uh <laughs> i i could say something really funny but that wouldn't be accurate no i was uh you know i've known larry goldings for many many years and we played together uh, a lot he was in my band and we made a bunch of records so we're we're close and uh, and I knew um, he'd been doing this with Scary Pockets, and I really liked what they had done. Bef they did stuff, you know, before they they asked me. They did the stuff, and Robin Ford was on one. And so it was just a matter of of logistics. And I I liked what the band was doing because they had great rhythm sections. And um, yeah, so I was excited to do it. We finally took a couple of years trying to you know just get everybody together at the same time. And then when it finally happened and we uh, uh, were able to record, it just uh, we had a really great, great magic day making those first videos. I'm curious about how those songs came together and the songs now that, you know, are part of uh, Scary Golding's Live featuring John Schofield. Were those just jam sessions or were they charts that you guys sort of had put together already and, and you sort of knew what you were doing? Uh, Ryan is the guy actually with the concept, him and Jack, but I'm going to pipe in and tell, tell you how it was done. And uh, this was different for me. Um, everybody composed the stuff together right on the spot. And the rule was we have an hour and a half for each song to compose and record it. And um, so I think Jack was kind of the traffic cop. Um, which I think is what was really necessary. Somebody had to say, that's it, that's it, do that, do that. But he went around the room, and and uh, Ryan, tell me if I'm wrong here, but he went around the room and said, well, you got an idea for uh, a groove. Okay, do you have an idea for an intro? Do you have an idea for a... And then within an hour and a half, within like you know 40 minutes, we had a tune, and then we did a couple of takes of it, and that was it. That's exactly right, Jack. Jack has this um, uh, amazing ability to corral a group of people. And when he hears something he likes, he gets so excited. Um, and so he he tends to be, like John said, the traffic cop in terms of, um, I think when you're, when you're writing that quickly, it's just about kind of uh, uh, making quick decisions as far as and not second guessing, you know, melodies and chords and whatever everyone sort of arrives at and likes. Great. That's it. Don't change it. Next section. Um, yeah. which is, um, 
which is a fun way because I think we're when when we all probably uh, compose and 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 write on our own. I'm sure we all sort of get in the habit of second guessing and oh, maybe I can top this idea. But when you just go 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 and and you have the time limitation, it sort of spurs the creativity in a different and fun way. And and also the the thing that it was five people pitching in, right. you know, and and so. You know, Jack coldheartedly would shoot you down until somebody else. And that's the way to do it. You know, not yeah. too much thought. And uh, luckily, we were kind of like minded, you know, and we didn't have time to overwrite, which right. was great because the kind yeah. of music we were playing, you know, was a kind of jazz, you know, where you where the performance is, is maybe more important than anything. And and yeah, and to have a nice just, you know, happening thing to play on to play. Yeah. What we found with with these records in particular is that um I mean what you're trying to do when you record anyways is just capture lightning in a bottle and you're looking for magic moments and when when the first thing that's captured is kind of the first time you've all played the song correctly together or maybe even not correctly um you end up making mistakes that end up being um you know the the most special parts of the of the recording so i think that this type of process lends itself well to happy accidents that you know if we had if we had not recorded anything on the day and then gone in to do the record two weeks later it, it would have been um just a completely different type of record and probably uh, lost a little bit of the spontaneity and the magic yeah. of the, the first yeah, it, it, it just reminds us uh, how important spontaneity is, and we just have to have the balls to just to go in and do it like that because it comes out better, I think. Yeah, and that's what I'm. Wow, that's sort of what you've built a career on, right? To a certain degree. Well, that's the jazz uh, thing, you know. Here in this, you know, in America's 20th century, that's and the jazz was started. You know, what we know about it is when they started recording. All of a sudden, there's Louis Armstrong doing that, having these magic moments. And so, yeah, that's what, once you get into the music part, you, you realize how essential that is for making good music. John, you've collaborated, as we mentioned off the top, with so many people, but, you know, the funk sort of sound and what you've sort of done here, for me, at least to my ears, maybe started around a go-go. Is that, you know, when you started doing some more of this funk stuff? Yeah, you know, you got to hear... Billy Cobb and George Duke with me in 1976, you know, um, and I started playing in the midnight hour and hold on, I'm coming when I was a child, right, 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 <laughs> you know, right. but yeah, professionally, uh, there, uh, actually, no, I made these records on Gramavision, Blue Matter and Loud Jazz and Still Warm. Uh, maybe it wasn't as funk. It might've been more, I don't know. But yeah, with the go-go, we were going for some some funk grooves. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'd, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask about Mono Neon because, you know, he holds down the rhythm section and he's such a uh, interesting dude that just to see him playing is is and, and on the stage yeah. and in those videos with you. I mean, that a adding that cat to, to what is already an extraordinary lineup must be must have been crazy ryan how did how did adding mono come to i can't believe i'm calling him mono like that's his first name but how did adding mono neon to the to the group come together we had done i've been a fan um for for a little while and 
and we had actually had him on a scary pocket session before and he um he flew in i think from memphis and um he he was i mean i think the crazy thing about mono is that i mean there are many crazy things but <laughs> he has such a unique distinctive um voice individual voice that you might not expect him to be as great of a session musician as he is but he's he was so good that's what i noticed the first time we um we we had him on scary pockets is that he's everything he did served the song so well nothing was you know everything was appropriate and and the perfect balance of sort of serving the music but also doing it in the way that only he can and um and i just thought it would be um a fun juxtaposition um with uh with larry and and john i thought they they'd sort of each mutually i mean that's kind of my favorite thing is putting people together that you might not expect to see together and watching them get a kick out of each other and enjoy each other and and that that sort of conversation the way that mono is sort of pushing you john in a direction and watching oh. you guys sort of uh have the conversation was so fun oh well thank you ryan and jack for doing that because uh yeah mono neon is it's it's he is super special yeah um yeah. i'm so glad i got to play with him more to come i hope yeah yeah let's talk about uh this record uh Louis Cole sucks. The the or sorry, live featuring John Schofield and and of course the first single Louis Cole sucks. Well, it's hard to say that there's a single from a jazz record, but I guess if there is a single from a jazz record, it would be that one. Um, I'm curious about you know you wrote all of this stuff in an hour, each one of these songs in an hour and a half, and then you're you know you perform them, put them down, all of that, but then you have to perform these songs what's that process like? Is it a matter of going back and relearning your parts? Do you have your parts charted somewhere? What, what that, what's that experience like? Because you've done it once already, but you're going to be doing it a few times again. What's that experience first for you, Ryan, and, and then for John? Well, um, yeah, we've just done Newport uh, Jazz Festival, which was our, I think our second uh, or our third, it was our third uh, live show. Um, and each of these shows is kind of a miracle. Um, just getting everyone, you know, in the same place and and having people show up and um, and so rehearsal is is a luxury. Um, and there there's a video if you look at if you look I know it's on my Instagram of what the, the rehearsal looked like before Newport, which is basically all of us in the dressing room singing our parts. Um, and, um, and it's, it's quite humorous, uh, possibly more entertaining than the actual shows themselves. Um, but, but that's, that's sort of it is we, I believe before, um, before we, we did this, most of this, uh, new record is from our, uh, Paris show and we had charts made, um, <laughs> that were, that were flawed, uh, <laughs> flawed charts which made the process, um, you know, uh, more interesting. And, uh, and so we had a quick rehearsal and, and there were some songs that, that um, maybe didn't have, weren't arranged for a second guitar that we sort of, um, John would just come up with parts and harmonies and we'd put, you know, solos in and try and keep the forms relatively compact, um, like 
kind of like pop songs mm -hmm. so we could get through a, a lot of them um but yeah that's that's sort of what the the process was like is sometimes we get a quick rehearsal and and we we have a uh, charts made and we run through and, and decide on forms but really it's left up to you know um being in in the heat of battle uh you know jack trying to sort of conduct from the center of the stage through sections the best the best way we can yeah i wrote out my my parts they brian gave you know assigned somebody to write out the parts they were kind of like 65 percent correct maybe more <laughs> and then we had and then i penciled in stuff and i'm like mean old mr jazz up there with my music stand looking you know squinting at some charts and uh yeah we but the cool thing is and this is interesting is that we played it uh, every song really short so we did 16 songs in one hour you know and and most jazz groups do three songs in an hour right and uh and stretch out on it um so this was different but i think also, uh, for me, interesting because it was different and, and fun to try and get it concise like that on a live gig. And, you know, I mean, this record came out. It's coming out of, 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 our, of our first time we ever played it live. And, uh, uh, and there's some hot stuff on there and Mono Neon's there. And, and, um, and uh, yeah, on Lewis Cole Sucks, I've completely lost. And it sounds kind of weird. But um, amazing. Yeah. No, yeah, there you go. It sounds well, okay. Fooled you, Ryan. Um, and uh, you know, John, but, someday, mean, someday your charts are going to be like Ben Franklin's notebook. People are going to, people are going to look at him and say, "Man, how did he follow these? These are these yeah, are yeah. Work but, of art. And they've got all these erasures, you know, and and right. crossouts, and they're pretty funny, you know. Uh, I'm curious. So, you know, while keeping these things short and while staying true to the charts, there is a little bit of room for improv, right? It's not. Oh, it's no. Yeah, no, no. We we mostly just the heads like, are written and stuff. We, yeah. You know, we we play these melodies and then we take improvised, improvised solos. Yeah. With our improv. Yeah. And some of the forms are improvised as well. Yeah. And uh, maybe on purpose you know, or not. It's it's you know let's let let the listeners decide. There there are a whole bunch of hooks and licks that sound familiar that you know may have come from other places. People may have heard in other places, and maybe that's just my mind wanting to hear something. That's that I... your, that's your mind because I think we did it so quick that maybe they are absolutely plagiarized, but none of that was on purpose, you know. And yeah. uh, and and it's the blues, you know. The blues is the blues, right. and um, yeah. No, we were, you know, we were, we weren't like, let's take this tune from whatever. But many of them are are reminiscent of other songs. Sure. But that turns out music is reminiscent of other music, you know. For sure, for sure. What's what's the plan next? This album comes out uh, September eighth, and then the plan is, I think you have what uh, three or four gigs lined up. But is is the plan to do more of this more often, or are you guys so busy with? other projects that that may not come to life uh, my my um my my new uh life roadmap is to just do as, as much with with john schofield as i possibly <laughs> can so so um the the plan i think we're doing uh monterey jazz festival together on september end of september sometime um and then uh 
and then sort of I, I I think I don't know if we have anything else in the books, but but I'm hoping stars sort of align as as much as we can get them to, and and we do more more shows and records down the down the road. Yeah, me too, absolutely. And you know, I've I've got my group too, and we're going on the road after after Monterey, and and so we'll be out for a while. But uh, but we're talking, you know, like like Ryan said. Each one of these concerts and even the the initial recording session, there, there was a lot of going back and forth just to get everybody in the same room mm-hmm. um, and in the same state or the same city. Uh, yeah. Does just John, does working with with younger musicians who are as hungry as, as you were keep you psyched to do this stuff? I mean, you've been doing it for, and I don't want to age you, but you've been doing it for, for a long time now. Is it still... You can age, you can age me. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm 71. I'm People incredible. Out there, it, that's... I look I look really young when I go like this. Well, when you're playing with Phil and friends, you do look young compared to Phil and, and some of the other people. He has Thank God. Yeah, no, <laughs> finally I get to play with somebody who's older than me. But, right. um, but yeah, mostly I play with younger people. But what, what I've found is, yes, I love the you know, the energy of youth, but they have to be really good. So, you know, by the time they get really good, they might be young, but they're also wise. Just, it just it happens that way. So when I play with uh, um, these guys and the other guys that are in my band or whatever, they might be younger than me by 15 years or 38 years or whatever, but they're, they've got savvy, you know, and, um, and, uh, and and sort of we close our eyes and we just play, you know. And the other thing is we, we want to play together because we're like-minded, you know. It's like the kind of music we like. And, and yes, I love the uh, um, energy, positive energy from anybody, you know. And, uh, uh, um, yeah. Uh, Ryan, Scary Pockets continues too. I mean, I, those sessions, those sessions continue as well. Well, well, well scary goldings is doing their thing yeah scary goldings we we make one record a year um so we're we're actually making a record i think in a couple months and the band might be tbd at the moment we sort of we put the days in the books and we figure it out depending upon who's free um and scary pockets continues we we are touring we've been touring a good amount this year we're doing um we're going through the south uh, starting, I think, in Austin and going down into Florida and coming up through Atlanta uh, in October. And then November, we go back to Europe um, for a couple of weeks. And I think in February, we go back to Europe again. Um, and then the videos have continued to come out weekly, although we haven't done a new a Scary Pocket session. Um, I might be breaking news here, but we, we haven't done an actual Scary Pocket session in eight months um, so everything that's come out this year has all been backlog from, from, uh, you know, last year and, and before, um, and we've sort of been, um, tinkering with, um, moving the whole project towards more original music. So Jack and I have been, been doing sessions every month this year that are just, uh, sort of writing sessions with one of my favorite producers in the world, Tony Berg, um, and we've just been bringing different people in and writing for something new that we're we're not sure what it's going to be called yet even but that's that's the plan with pockets is the tours will continue and and the covers at some point will come come to a pause 
And John, as you mentioned, you're touring with with your band and, and continue to put out incredible records as well, right? Yeah, we got a record, uh, my trio with Bill Stewart and Vicente Archer, uh, ECM. Um, and uh, it's it's this makes it sound like it's a dead tribute album, but it's not really. Although one of the songs we played out of the, it's a two CD set. We played like tons of music, originals, bebop, standards, some rock and roll tunes that we redid. And one of the tunes is Uncle John's Band. So when in my life will I have a chance to call a record Uncle John's band? Because I'm John right. and it's my, it's my band. <laughs> so uh, it's called Uncle John's band on ECM comes out in October. Cool. Uh, both of you, thank you so much for uh, the incredible music over both of your careers and for this collaboration. Like I said, I was so psyched when I came across it and even more psyched that I had that opportunity to talk to you and let our listeners know about it. So thanks for taking the time and, and continued success uh, for both of you uh, on what has already been an incredible career and, and, and certainly what will be uh, continued to be a, an incredible career. So thank you both. Thank you so much, Ira. Thanks, Ira. Thanks for doing it. Very cool stuff indeed. For more on Scary Goldings, probably best to search for them on YouTube or Instagram. Before we leave you, let's listen to another studio session from Scary Goldings featuring John Schofield. Here is Meters Running. Thank you. 
You've been listening to The Sound Podcast. Technical production by Adam Karsh and Andrea Ruse. Inspired by the music we love. For more, visit thesoundpodcast.com.